Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. <laughs> Kia ora. welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host Jordan, I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys and a lover of all things birth and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, And with this podcast, you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice. I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care. And this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. So I hope you enjoy. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is proudly brought to you by Your Birth Project. Your Birth Project is an online hypnobirthing course that is based here in New Zealand and you can access it anytime. So it's a course that you can use at your own time. It's not live, so you can just watch it whenever it suits you, which is really helpful for those who can't attend in-person courses or just prefer to learn online. The course covers a range of comfort method techniques, it has some awesome meditations, it will take you through the different stages of labour and how that impacts how you might be feeling at a certain time and there's so much more, there's a really awesome birth partners section um, so for you and your birth partner to watch to understand how they might be able to help you during labour and birth and at the end there is an absolutely beautiful birth video with Rebecca Keel and that includes her surrogacy birth with little Ziggy so Tess and Dan's little boy Ziggy so that birth was videoed and has been included in the course and I think it's just such a beautiful addition Um, Rebecca's an absolute superstar so I know that you will love that If you have any questions about the course, please feel free to reach out to me. It is 89 New Zealand dollars, so hopefully it is accessible for a really wide range of people, and I just think that education is absolutely power, and knowing your options and making informed choices can make such a difference to our mindset and how we feel about our birth. So super passionate about that, obviously, which is why I created the course. So you can head to www.yourbirthproject.com, or you can go to at your birth project on Instagram and check out all of the testimonials. There's literally hundreds of them from the almost 1,000 mums who have done the course. So yeah, I just know that you're going to love it. In this week's episode, I speak with Nikki, and Nikki takes us through her pregnancy and birth story with her son Bodhi. She's also currently pregnant, which is awesome. Nikki talks us through her pretty straightforward pregnancy where she decided to go with an obstetrician for her care. Um, She did all of the standard testing, so she talks us through that. And she also had a breech-positioned baby, so they did an ECV at 36 weeks, which after a couple of tries was successful. And then Nikki ended up being induced at 40 weeks for reduced movements. Um, She takes us through that induction experience and then into her birth story where baby became a bit distressed and they needed to use the vacuum to get him out. Um, But she talks about that really positively, which I think is really awesome to hear her experience and how she sort of found that. Um, And then she takes us through her postpartum period where she talks about the sort of transition into motherhood and how she struggled with the identity piece and particularly around previously being someone who was really ambitious in their career and then making a change to deciding not to go back to work. So yeah, I just think it's a really awesome episode and Nikki's super honest with us about how she's found the first sort of year of motherhood. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. If you could leave me a review, if you listen on Apple Podcasts or a star rating, or just send me a message on Instagram or an email, I always appreciate hearing from you. That's probably enough from me. (laughs) Let's jump into the episode. 
Hey, Nikki, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I'm really excited to be here. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Perfect. Um, hi, everyone. My name's Nikki. Um, I live in Auckland with my husband, Corey. We have a 15-month-old son, Bodhi, and we are expecting our second child who's on the way in due in November this year. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. And do you want to talk us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you the first time around? Yeah, of course. So um, it was a planned pregnancy, although I didn't quite expect that it would happen so soon. I was on the pill for over 10 years. So when I initially came off, I went and saw my doctor who sort of said, look, expect at least a year for your hormones to mm. level out. I was very, very fit as well. So I didn't actually know if I would get a period. Um, I teach at Les Mills and fitness and activity sort of plays a big role in my life. So I didn't know how soon it would happen, but sort of second month in, I did successfully fall pregnant. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And how were you feeling um, when you found out? Did you take a test or what sort of um, made you think that you might be pregnant? Um, I just remember I was extremely dehydrated all the time. I would drink like liters and liters oh, of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which um, I actually don't drink a lot of water normally, which is pretty bad. But um, yeah, the first thing I noticed was I was just drinking so much water. Um, and the second time I was in a meeting um, and um, we had a supplier bring us morning tea in and there was there was some sandwiches, salmon and cream cheese. And I, the salmon wasn't even near me. It was at the other end of the table, mm. but I could smell it a mile away. And I just, my my uh, sense of smell was extremely heightened. So yeah. those sort of two things sort of made me think, mm, I'm feeling a little off. But to be honest, I didn't, I didn't know whether it was just sort of me thinking things. Um, and then I was actually on a leadership course and I was away. So I was um, sort of out in, in the rural uh, uh, area of Auckland and um, I was feeling a little off the day earlier and it was about 5, 5.30 a.m. in the morning. So I Googled, when does the local <laughs> countdown open? Um, and so it opened at six. So I got in my car and drove to the local countdown and then got a test, came back and did the test and I sort of just left it there because I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just thought I'll leave it there and I'll come back and look at it. And I sort of left it for five minutes, came back and sure enough, it was positive, <laughs> which was really, really exciting. I called my husband straight away um, and sent him a photo and just said, oh, you know, um, have a look at your phone. I just sent you a photo and he was absolutely over the moon. Um <laughs> And as I say, yeah, we didn't expect it so soon, but very, very grateful um, that we were lucky enough to conceive. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And what was the rest of your first trimester like? Did you have many other symptoms that sort of popped up after those initial ones that made you think you might be pregnant? Um, I went to Croatia shortly after I found out I was pregnant. So I did really struggle um, in terms of heat and just being really um, lethargic and mm. lack of energy. But other than that, I was pretty lucky. It was just more my energy sort of shifting and taking a toll. I didn't have any extreme morning sickness. So um was quite lucky in that regard. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you decide to go with a midwife for your care? I actually went with an obstetrician um, yep. and um, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, and the reason I went with an obstetrician was just merely I, if something went wrong or um, just more peace of mind having the right mm -hmm. person in the room um, who was able to cover off any basis of any events. So that's purely why I went with Philip. Um, I had Philip Beatty from Origins. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And so what did that sort of first trimester of care look like then? Did you meet with him at all during that first trimester? And yeah, what sort of happened there? Yep. So I met with him, um, it would have been around a couple of times. I think I had two meetings with him during the first, yep. or maybe it was one to two meetings with him during the first trimester. Um, and I also opted to get the NIP test done. So um, had um obviously a blood test and um 
that was sent away and made sure obviously there was um, everything with the baby was really healthy and also um, did find out the gender early. Um, But um, it was more sort of in the second and third trimester that, um, you know, I was catching up with him more and more and it became Mm -hmm. sort of fortnightly and weekly later on in my pregnancy. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you do all of the other sort of standard testing, like the 20-week scan and gestational diabetes and stuff like that? Yes, I did. And yeah. those were all all fine. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And how were you feeling towards the end of your third trimester? Like, did you notice that you sort of were struggling a bit more physically mm-hmm. or did you feel pretty good throughout your pregnancy? What was that like? Yeah, it was good. Around 20, 24 weeks, so um, Bodhi was head down and then he flipped and was breech. Mm. So um, kind of unusual that that happens. Um, so I sort of tried everything to um, naturally, I guess, mm-hmm. flip him around. Mm-hmm. Um, did acupuncture, moxibustin, which is um, like a Chinese medicine um, where you sort of burn over a pressure point. Mm-hmm. Um, so did that for about a month. So when I was about 28 to 32 weeks to see if that would encourage him to turn. Unfortunately, it didn't. So it was I was basically booked in at around 34 weeks for a C-section. Um, and something inside me, I... I was very open about my um, what my birth looked like, but for some reason I just wanted to avoid a C-section. So um, it was booked in. I was actually meeting with the anaesthetist uh, later that week, and Philip said to me, look, you know, there is one other thing we can try. It's not guaranteed, but we can book you into the hospital and you can, um, we can try you for an ECV, which is basically externally um, rotating uh, rotating the baby to head down. Um, yeah. And there's cases where it can be successful and also unsuccessful. So um, at 36 weeks, um, we did do the ECV. Yeah, cool. And how did you find that experience? I've heard... Um from a few mums on the podcast before who've done that, but not too many. So what was your experience with it like? Um, So I went in there and I was just really hoping for the best. I was in a very calm state of mind. I just had my music on and I was, I read a lot of stuff online, almost like imagining that the baby, you know, the baby does move inside Mm -hmm. you when they're doing it. It took them about um, the t- first two attempts, they weren't able to turn him. So I was really starting to think, oh, my gosh, this isn't going to work. Mm. Um, and then they got in another nurse and um, two of them were doing the manipulation. And it was extremely painful. Um, mm. It was not a pleasant experience. And days after, I, I was feeling very tender and sore. Um, and... It was successful, though, when they both did it. It was sort of the last attempt that they were going to do because, obviously, we didn't want to stress Bodhi out, but Mm. um, was fortunate enough that it did work and I was able to avoid a C-section, which is something that I really wanted to do. Um, But in saying that, if if the ECV was unsuccessful, I knew that I'd tried everything naturally in my power and medically that, you know, it just obviously wasn't meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. And so did you do, I guess, just side note before we talk about what happens next, did you do any antenatal classes or like birth education, anything like that in the lead up to your birth? Yep. So I went to um, antenatal classes and I did that through Holistic Baby, um, through Kathy McCormick, who is um, amazing. Um, I also did some reading in terms of hypnobirthing and went to a hypnobirthing course, which I found really, really helpful in terms of just, you know, mindsets and breathing techniques. Um, Other than that, I sort of didn't do a lot of reading in terms of what Mm -hmm. to expect uh, when the baby was born. I kind of just wanted to, yeah, see how I went with it and sort of have no expectations and um, keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. Nice. And did you have any thoughts on how you might want your birth to go now that you knew um, you may be able to try and birth vaginally? Yes. So as I say, I always wanted to have um, a vaginal birth. Um, I I was very open how that looked like. So um, 
as long as the ba- as long as the baby arrives safely, um, then you know um, being able to do it, you know vaginally was my preference. However, as I say, I kind of went in there with no expectations. I didn't want to be let down or feel that I wasn't able to, um, you know, have the birth that I wanted. Um, so I, I went in with a, with a very open mind. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you do anything in preparation for birth, like antenatal expressing or perennial massage, raspberry leaf tea, any of the sort of list of things that you can try? I did. Well, we were in lockdown, actually. So um, I did curb walking. I did pineapple. (laughs) I did raspberry leaf tea. And in the end, I sort of gave up. I was walking up um, massive amounts of stairs each day. (laughs) It was, yeah quite funny now I think back um but yeah I sort of tried a few things and then was sort of like well he's got a mind of his own and he's gonna um come when he uh you know intends to do so so um yeah um those were the main ones yeah awesome cool and did your labor end up starting spontaneously so at four uh just on just under 40 weeks so I was 39 and 39 weeks and six days I had a check-in with Philip and my um, movements were starting to decrease and that was partly a because of the positioning of um, my placenta um, and also Bodhi was really really big so um, it was sort of decided that it would be best to induce me um, just because um, movement was starting to get a little bit more limited. So I was yeah. induced. Um, so I went in and had my chicken with Philip on the Tuesday and the next day, uh, the Wednesday that evening, I was in at Auckland Hospital and um, got induced in the evening. Yeah, awesome, cool. And do you want to take us through that experience so how did that all start and what was the induction like and then into your labor and birth story from there yeah sure so um we arrived at the hospital about 7 p.m and then I've got my first round of gel at about 8 p.m nothing seemed to happen so um I when he when Philip came in he said look um you know we'll do the gel and I'll come back in and check on you the next day. Um, So he arrived back in um, that morning at about 7am, but the nurse on call sort of gave me my next round of gel at um, 5am that morning. Mm -hmm. So I had two rounds at around 7, 8am. I was starting to feel like something was happening. So after the Mm -hmm. second round of gel um, and Philip said to me, um, how are you feeling? And I just said, look, I'm starting to feel quite, you know, like something is definitely happening and the pain was starting to get up there for me. So um, they, I, I was trying to avoid an, an epidural. Um, and so Philip said, well, obviously we can opt to give you some pethidine, which, which I did, but that made me feel quite sick. So um, it didn't have actually much effect on me at all. So at about 8 a.m. we had the pethidine. Um, and as I say, it didn't, didn't do too much. Um, and things really progressed quickly from there. At about 8.30 a.m. Um, I had full-blown contractions. So um there was literally no break. It felt like in between contractions, um, they were just mm. back to back to back and they were all in my back. So I just felt this heavy, heavy weight on my back. Um, and I didn't get any break at any point in time. So I was kind of at that point of desperation. And I said, I want the, want the epidural, like just mm-hmm. give it to me. <laughs> um, so the nurse coming, uh, who was caring for me came in and um, we went through to the birthing suite. And that was about 9am at, at about 8.30am, just before they took me to the birthing suite. I was about... Um, two centimeters dilated. By 9:30 a.m., I went from two centimeters to seven centimeters, so it was really, really, really mm. quick. Um, and um, 
lucky lucky enough I was able to get my epidural straight away um we were there was some kind of some concerns around that because obviously with lockdown people Mm. not being available um I was really fortunate enough um that I was able to get it within I think it was like 30 30 minutes so had the epidural at about quarter to 10 in the morning um and I felt the urge very shortly after that I I needed to push and mm-hmm. my um the midwife and nurse caring for me at the time said oh you know like are you sh- are you sure and I said mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely need to push so I said um where's Philip he needs to get back here right now so um from there it was about quarter to is yeah quarter to 10 as I say and within 30 minutes things progressed really really quick I had the epidural and um felt the need to start pushing and I pushed for um about 15 20 minutes during the time when I was pushing there was some um signs of um Bodhi becoming really distressed so they mm-hmm. were quite they're a little bit concerned about that um and obviously wanted to get him out as safe as possible so when I was pushing um we I was pushing for no longer than 15 minutes and he was coming out and he was just about out and then he started to get quite distressed again his heart rate started to drop and so did so did mine so in that occasion um Philip made the call to use the vacuum to get him out um, and he was out and um, delivered really safely. So I think that all my, my entire labor was about from 8am to 10 to 11. So he's born at 10.50am. So it was about three hours wow. and 50 minutes. So it was really, really quick yeah. and fast. Um, and yeah. it all happened so quickly I do remember one of my wishes was to sit in the water and um, to be in water or be in the shower, mm-hmm. but in the, in the in the midst of it all, I completely forgot about everything. Mm-hmm. I was relatively calm. Um, Corey was very shocked that I wasn't screaming the hospital <laughs> down. In fact, yeah. I didn't even speak to him the whole time, um, except once when he was uh, rubbing my back and I just said, I that's fine. I just, I'm, I'm fine. Please stop rubbing my back. <laughs> um, so I was just focused on my breathing and being as really calm and uh, so, yeah, just knowing that everything was out of my control and that everything was going to be perfect one way or another. Yeah. So I'm um, just kind of surrendering to the process and knowing that my body was capable of of, of birthing um, mm-hmm. our beautiful son, which it did. So I was really, really grateful. Um, it was very intense. It was very fast. And as I say, it was, um, you know, felt like back-to-back contractions mm-hmm. from, from about 8 a.m. Um, so there was no break, but very grateful that he arrived safely and um, was nice and healthy. Yeah, amazing. And with the epidural, do you want to just sort of – describe to us like did the epidural take away the pain but you still felt a pressure and that's how you knew to push and then what did it actually do for you during that pushing phase like do you just want to talk us through that a little bit yeah so it definitely took away the pain I was I I said to them oh my gosh why have I gone this long without the epidural (laughs) I was just like I will never make this mistake again like (laughs) never um it took away all the pain I still felt the pressure um and when I was pushing I just my my body almost it was like working in 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 sync I just knew when to push um Mm -hmm. and I said uh, that was one of my concerns to follow up I said you know how do I know when to push and he said look if you if you don't know then we'll tell you but you 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 may be able to your body will sort of give you this um this feeling and it did and so I just mm-hmm. felt the pressure and it's almost like a downward force um to push um when I was able to do so and as I say I only pushed for 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. it was very quick and he was basically halfway out um yeah and then obviously there was intervention needed yeah yeah and with the intervention did you need an episiotomy as well or just the vacuum uh, just the vacuum, so I was lucky, and also I just had a very minor graze, so I didn't have um, 
I did have it one small stitch, but I didn't have um, any tearing or anything yeah. like that. And yeah, I think that was partly, I, I as I say, I was just very calm and just focused mm-hmm. on my breathing and just what I could control um, and just being, yeah, present in the moment. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did they pop him up onto your chest as soon as he was born or what happened yeah. from there? So they popped him straight onto my chest when he was born. And I, I just, yeah, it was this surreal feeling. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that he was here. And I mean, you know, having him in your stomach for the last nine months and just <laughs> imagining that moment, um, it was really, really special. And yeah, just hearing his first cry um, and knowing that, oh, he's okay. It was just, yeah, like a sense of relief and yeah. All the pain that I went through, I was, you know, you think, oh my gosh, it's so painful. It just it absolutely went away and you're just like, wow, like I feel um, absolutely content. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Cool. And did you do like delayed cord clamping and did you want to do skin to skin and all that sort of stuff? Yep. So did delayed um, cord clamping, did skin to skin for, yeah, for over an hour um, and Bodhi naturally latched on to my breast and just started feeding himself um (laughs) which was really really good I was always very nervous about the breastfeeding side of things that was probably the the thing for me about whether I would be able to feed um feed him but he latched on really well and we had skin to skin um and then yeah my husband was able to hold him and um, spend some really special time with him um, yeah and then yeah, they were really, really great at Auckland Hospital. Um, I was up not a couple of hours later having a shower and that did the whole, the world of good for me mm-hmm. um, and was then shortly um, after went to um, birth care. Yeah, and were there any restrictions? Like were we in level four lockdown at that time? Yeah, so it was level four. Yeah. So when... Um, Corey when we went to the hosp- uh, hospital initially the day before so that was on the Wednesday more uh, sorry the Tuesday evening um, we packed like a massive suitcase um, mm-hmm. with everything because once you were in you weren't allowed out so yeah um, Corey was sort of stuck with us and unable to go anywhere so we just made sure that we packed everything we needed um, and then when we went to birth care as well um, we were really fortunate that he was allowed to stay um, and yeah, as a new mum, I felt, yeah, because we couldn't have family with us. I was really um, appreciative that he could come to yeah. the hospital and also to birth care with me. Um, yeah. Because I think the days afterwards are the, the hardest <laughs> and adjusting yeah. to what, what life is, um, you know, with a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And so how long did you end up spending in birth care? I spent two days in birth care um, and I found that really, really helpful in terms of feeding. There was a lovely nurse there. Um, she was amazing and just sort of gave me all the advice I needed in terms of um, feeding and um, latching and bathing. And it was just the small things like, you know, um, being confident sounds silly but like swaddling your baby and having mm. the confidence to do to do that and just going okay I'm doing it right and just sort of that reassurance <laughs> yeah. I mean, knowing that they were there to help if I sort yeah. of didn't know what I was doing um, which was really really nice yeah awesome I felt the same way about the swaddling thing I think um, yeah. that was the one good thing that came out of our special care experience was learning how to swaddle him because I would have yeah. had no idea otherwise. I know I was, I, I was probably very, very nervous and you, and I was very nervous. Like, Oh my gosh, am I doing it right? Yeah. Is it, you know, and it was good to have that, that reassurance and going, okay. Especially because when we got home, um, you know, midwives were only allowed in for a very short yes. time afterwards. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't, any hands-on support afterwards so it was good to the reason I went to birth care was basically to know everything that I needed to know and make sure that I had all the tools and the support um and the feeding side of things I was confident with yeah awesome and did is there any like continuity of care in terms of Philip and like his team and Mm -hmm. and seeing you in those couple of days after birth or how does that work 
Yep. So he comes to the um, to birth care yeah. afterwards and checks in on you. So he does that, and then um, I there's a separate midwife that comes to your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had Kathy McCormick, who um, has holistic baby, who is amazing. Um, she was my midwife, and she'd nice. come every um, week or you know sometimes twice a week and check yeah. in on um, with me and. Yeah, she was amazing. And then six weeks afterwards, I went back in and saw Philip, and we had a bit of a debrief in terms of the birth and what went well, and um, was there anything that I um, wanted to discuss, and sort of a check in on how I was feeling um, mm-hmm. postnatally, and um, if there was any other support that I needed as a mum or um, emotionally, if if, if nice. there was anything that I needed to work through. So, yeah, that was, I felt really well supported afterwards. And as I say, Kathy is amazing and has a wealth of knowledge. And I felt, yeah, really safe in her hands. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And how did you find like your mental health over that time? Did you notice mm. that you had like the baby blues or how did you find, I guess, just that whole adjustment to? motherhood initially so in that first sort of month or so yeah I found it really really challenging um I think it was more no one sort of prepares you for the sleep deprivation I Bodhi was you know a baby who probably for the first eight months of his life slept for no more than two to three hours so it was really really challenging for me we don't have a lot of family support I have my dad and my sister and they're they're amazing um but it's basically just Corey and I so Corey um also runs our building company and is on the tools so it's it was hard for me to expect for him to get up in the night and and to help me um just because obviously he's dealing with machinery and tools um so so it was a challenge um I found it a huge adjustment phase and literally just feeding sometimes 12 to 16 times a day and I I I felt really unprepared and I didn't I didn't expect it to be such an adjustment um and I think for the first month it was just learning about being a mum and having no expectations on myself um sleeping when the baby would sleep literally just taking each day as it comes um and as long as I was showered like that's that (laughs) was my task uh, each day for myself as long as I was showered then you know um I felt a whole heap better but um there was definitely um a few days afterwards you know just random outs outbursts of crying for no reason um just sort of felt overwhelmed and was I doing a good job? I think as a, as a mum, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And (laughs) sort of just learning to learning at that point in time to trust your intuition. Um, so that was probably the biggest adjustment, but sleep deprivation was a real living thing. And, um, I don't (laughs) think anyone can prepare you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anything prepares you for that until you're doing it right. (laughs) Absolutely. And and now I think back, I go, oh my gosh, I don't know how I survived, but somehow you yeah. do and yeah. you get through it and you go, oh my gosh, uh, what a sleep. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And when you sort of reflected on your birth, how did you mm. feel about that whole experience and what were your feelings towards your birth and how did you find your recovery? So your actual physical recovery from birth? So I... I was happy that I was able to avoid a C-section. And as I said, you know, as long as I, I felt that if I could birth vaginally, then that was my my aim. But I felt really empowered after my birth. I felt at peace with it. And I just felt that my main, the, the main sort of objective I had for myself was to get my baby here safely um, in whatever means that was. And I felt that I was really well cared for, especially afterwards and during. I knew everything that was happening. I was yeah. in the loop. Um, even though I wasn't in control, I kind of felt like I knew what was happening. Mm. So there was some elements of control. So um, I felt that, yeah, I felt well supported um, when I think about my birth, even though it was quite medical, um, I felt that it was – you know, it went as best as it could. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And what about your 
breastfeeding journey how did you find that um after you left the hospital I know you said you sort of had Mm. a really good experience with latching and then some help in birth care what was the um, experience like from there yeah when I went home I struggled um Bodhi was not latching it was extremely painful and I just remember sitting here it was like 2 or 3 a.m in the morning just crying because I was in so much pain and um I, I I didn't know what to do. I was my milk hadn't come in yet, and I was worried that he wasn't getting enough um, enough nutrients or anything from me. Um, luckily enough, um, Kathy actually came over the next day and gave me some really great tips in terms of feeding and positioning, and just sat here with me and just made sure I felt confident mm. and would. She sort of followed up with me and gave me. Um, some videos and resources um, to go over when she wasn't here, which was really, really helpful because she was only allowed to be with the level four restriction. She could only yeah. be in the house for a certain period of time. So while she yeah. was here, I tried to learn or get as much information from her as possible. Yeah. Um, and she was really, really helpful. But I, I really did struggle with the breastfeeding um, initially and, um, eventually my milk came in and I felt like a sense of relief, like, oh, I can feed him. And as I got on, I I became more confident, but that was something that I struggled with. And I think um, that probably isn't, you know, something that's well talked about afterwards. Mm. It's always about the birthing and it's, it's, you know, I think for me it was after the birth, the shock of, you know, breastfeeding, sleep deprivation, Mm. and also this whole new, identity me becoming basically a whole new person um and having this little person completely and utterly dependent on you um Mm. was a huge challenge and um yeah the 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 identity phase and accepting that you are a new person and you have evolved from who you were Mm. um you know before becoming a mum um was quite significant yeah yeah and I know that you mentioned sort of before when we were talking that um you were in quite a high pressure career and like you know really sort of ambitious and focused Mm. from a career perspective before having Bodhi do you want to talk us through what um changed there for you afterwards and how you sort of adjusted and processed that yeah so I always envisioned that I would be this mom who had a um successful career I would juggle both and it would be fine um and then becoming a mum everything (laughs) does honestly change I was in an environment where I was um an HR manager of a um investment firm and it was you know high pressure it was um yeah long hours and um it required a lot of attention and focus and I thought as soon as I had Bodhi I just thought oh my gosh I don't know how I am going to juggle and do both and be really good at it and um, it was coming to it took a long time it was like uh, the way I describe it was grieving grieving the past Nikki Mm. almost um, and accepting that it was okay not to have a not to do both and to to have a career and be a mum and it's okay just to be a mum and I think there's a lot of pressure around women that you know being a mum and having a career is you know is um, what a lot of people do and I've seen a lot of people in the corporate world who do it really well and they are who I've aspired to be however when I thought about what I wanted for my life and my family I wanted to be around. I wanted to be present with my son. I want, didn't want him in daycare from seven till five or, you know, long hours, five mm. days a week. Um, and we have our own business. So it wasn't possible for Corey to be at home with him. So um, I made the the decision that it was time for me to step out of my career and step into our business and which obviously I just do very part-time and ad hoc but I wanted to be a mum and I wanted to be around and um, be here for the first few years of Bodhi's life and it was okay to put my career on hold and I can come back to it um, Mm. and I'm not a failure and I think that's that's that was a really hard process to come to I felt almost 
like I'd failed myself and I'd failed everyone else around me because you know I chose not to go back to my career that I'd worked so very hard Mm. to um to um get to um So that was a, a a big tough thing, and as I say, it was it was actually like a grief process. It was almost yeah. like accepting that I was no longer the person I was, and 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 that it was okay to become someone new. Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably a lot of people out there who can sort of relate to those feelings, and mm. um, yeah, will really resonate with that part of your story. So thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. Cool. And what about? Um, your relationship so obviously you've got a new baby which is a huge <laughs> shift and adjustment for any relationship yeah. um so how did you find that shift between you and your husband and also things like returning to intimacy um yeah yeah what did you find that whole that whole shift like yeah no um we I think I, I waited probably 12 weeks till after we first um had sex again yeah. Um, and intimacy, to be honest, for the first 12 weeks, I was not interested. I was literally yeah, yeah. in survival mode. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting time. But, look, after sort of 12 weeks, um, I think, you know, we certainly um, found that, you know, romantic side, intimacy side again. Um, and, um, yeah. It definitely yeah. did return. I, I, there are times as though over the last six or during that first eight months, as I say, I was so sleep deprived that it just wasn't a priority, and I didn't yeah, yeah. didn't feel that. Yeah, it was it was um, it was um, at the top of my list. Awesome. And what about like your partner? You said that your husband and you own a business. So did um, you sort of do most of the? Um, child caring I guess overnight and um all of that knowing that he was working or what was your approach there yeah so I did a lot of it um I did the overnight stuff and during the weekends and at nights when Corey would come home from work he would sort of be very hands-on so one thing that I really enjoyed and sort of that I prioritized and made very clear when um, I was pregnant with Bodhi is I really enjoy exercising. It's my way to refresh and recharge. And it's something yeah. as a wife and a mother, I need to spend a little bit of time on myself on myself each day um, in order for me to, you know, be my best self. So yeah. Yeah, one of the non-negotiables for me was um, having sort of 45 minutes to an hour a day for myself. So Corey and I had an agreement that once he sort of got home, he would take over, he would do the bathing, he would give Bodhi his feed, um, and um, I would have sort of 45 minutes to an hour by myself. Um, And sometimes I'd just go for a walk or... I'd go down to the gym, but I found that really, really key, just sort of having that opportunity to recharge and reset and just have a moment to myself because when, you know, when you are with your child all day and then all night, sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. And especially when you are sleep deprived, um, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I was given was just take some time to yourself each day Mm. and you will be able to show up as a, you know, a better mum yourself if you're, if you're not taking some time out, it's going to overwhelm you. And yeah. yeah, that was the best advice I received. So I just sort of, yeah, would go off to the gym, do a little something for myself and Corey would focus on some of the nighttime um, activities. Um, it was unfortunate because Bodhi never took a bottle, which <laughs> was a struggle. Yeah. Um, so he was exclusively breastfed for 12 months or 13 yeah. months. Um Never took a bottle during that time. So that was also a really, really big challenge. I probably yeah. could have um, pushed it if I really wanted to, but he just wouldn't have a bar of it. And I just was like, right, I'm going to pick my battles and this is just mm-hmm. not one of them at this point in time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. Um, and is there anything that you can think of that either you used yourself or um, you used for Bodhi in that postpartum period that was really essential. Um, 
So it might be like a product or a service or anything that you can think of that, yeah, just made a real difference. Um, One of the things that I made myself do was get involved in sort of a mum's coffee group, which I did, and I did through um, Holistic Baby. Um, And that was really, really helpful just to sit down and meet with other mums and Mm. also to get some advice um, from those in the profession and just know that what I was going through was completely normal. It was really, really helpful for me just to sit down and to to chat with other mums who were going through exactly the same thing and to know what I was feeling or what I was going through at that point in time. was normal and everyone else was sort of going through it as well so it made me feel a little little bit better as I said Mm. before I was really worried that you know I think for me coming into motherhood I was very anxious of oh am I going to be okay is it going to be you know am I going to do a good job you know am I giving my baby all that that they need um but it was yeah it was really helpful to do that Bodhi did have some colic which was a bit of a challenge just getting him to um yeah getting him to bring up wind um and yeah he was a bit unsettled as I say with colic so we did use the Q drops um they were called Collie Calm which were really really helpful um and helped us sort of during the first six weeks um so that was a really uh, another really good product um probably those two things were the main ones the support afterwards was a big thing and Mm. I think um being able to be in an environment where we shared experience was really helpful for me as well yeah yeah awesome cool and is there anything that we haven't covered today that you want to include in your story I think that's probably I think probably the only other thing which I'd touch on is just before um I was pregnant I suddenly did lose my mum so um that was about three months before Mm, I was pregnant and I think just going through pregnancy and dealing with grief was quite challenging at times Mm. um but yeah making sure that I had really good support network around me and um, being able to be in an environment where I could talk and just being very open with my mm-hmm. emotions was really, really helpful. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's obviously your your hormones are all over the place with yeah. pregnancy anyway. So yeah, it was it was an interesting um, an interesting phase. And you are obviously pregnant again. <laughs> um, yes. So I, it's so funny when I read your email, I was like, oh, 20 months, that's like relatively close. And then I was like, wait, that's pretty much the same gap as, as me yeah. between Jai and yeah. this next baby. So it's really funny. But um, do you just want to take us through, I guess, finding out that you were pregnant? Were you trying for um, another baby? And how did you find out? And um, how are you feeling now? So um, we weren't trying, although we were going to start trying in um a couple of months time yeah um so I mean it was I guess you know obviously it was I guess planned but not planned yeah, yeah. Um, um, we I wasn't on contraception no yeah. so um it was uh one night one time uh yeah not using protection <laughs> and um yeah we were, with another, <laughs> we were blessed with another baby so yeah. um yeah very exciting um my pregnancy this time around has been very, very different um, in the sense that um, very um, lacking in energy. The first mm. sort of six to eight weeks, I felt very nauseous and lightheaded and just, um, yeah, re- yeah, really, really um, sort of almost wheezy most of the day. Mm. Um, luckily, that dropped off at about... 12 weeks but I sort of found out similar um similar uh situation with Bodhi I kind of felt off I was at the gym and there's a cafe next to the gym and for some reason I could just smell bacon running Mm -hmm. through the gym and I was just like oh my gosh this is terrible um so I kind of had my first sort of am I pregnant like I'm like surely not 
um, I was still breastfeeding. My pre- uh, my period did return pretty much straight away after birth. I think it was six weeks um, postpartum and my period returned. So it was fairly consistent, but it was my cycles sort of varied between 28 to 35 days. So they were, it was very hard, you know, it wasn't like a set 28, 29 day cycle. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, oh, surely not, yeah, but surely yes. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I found, we found out we're pregnant with our second baby, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, twenty month gap. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how that is going to go, but hey, it's other be people great. have done it. Other people have yeah. done it, and you just find ways. And um, yeah, I've a, as I say, I have a good little family support here. My dad and my sister are amazing, and Corey is, you know, pretty ha- very hands on with Bodie. So I'm yeah. sure I've been through it once. Mm-hmm. Um, although this time I feel a bit more equipped. Like I kind of know what to expect, which is probably the most helpful thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. not going into the dark and yeah kind of know yeah how to swaddle a baby how to change a baby <laughs> how to bath a baby so that's all helpful yeah awesome cool well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Nikki and sharing your stories with us I really appreciate it and I'm looking forward to following along and maybe hearing about your next birth mm-hmm. too Yes, thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having a platform for um, empowering women um, in terms of the birthing experience. And yeah, thank you so much. I listened to your podcast whilst I were pregnant. I was pregnant <laughs> with Bodhi and found them so helpful. And um, yeah. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. And just a reminder about the sponsor this week, which is Your Birth Project, the online hypnobirthing or calm birthing course that is based here in New Zealand and run by me um, completely online. So you can do it anytime. You've got access for 12 months once you purchase and you can repeat the course as many times as you like to help you prepare for your birth. So yeah, I would absolutely love for you to go and check out the Your Birth Project Instagram or head to www.yourbirthproject.com. Awesome. I will be bringing you another story next week and I look forward to it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.